The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. We're webcasting to you live from the Center for Autism and Related Disorders headquarters in Tarzana, California. I'm Shannon Benrod. Thrilled to be here with you on this Tuesday morning. We've got a lot to talk about this week. A lot has happened in the last couple of weeks, and over the weekend there have been some more developments. We're going to be covering all of that with you today and giving you some updates on the stories that we've been talking about and some new news. As always, we want to give you information that helps you to get done what you want to see happen. And I can't think of anything more important than keeping our kids safe, right? That's got to be job number one for all of us in our homes, in our schools, in our public areas. We need to keep our kids safe. So that ties in very closely with the stories that we've been covering, and we're going to continue to cover that uh, today. But I always remind you at the start of this show that this whole show is meant to be interactive. We are only as good as you participate with us, right? So we want you to talk to us, give us your thoughts, your concerns, your questions. And I can't think of any more week, any week where that's more important than this week, as we're going to be talking about safety. And I know that there, as an autism parent, there is this fear in all of us of what could happen, what might happen. And, and yet I will be the first person to admit that I am not always proactive in all the ways that I need to be sure. I take some safety precautions and I take some safety measures. And then I, I don't always get done all the things that I should that all of our experts say. So we're gonna visit that this week about what measures we should take to keep our kids safe and what stops us from doing that. Why we play a little bit of denial in our heads about, you know, it's probably not going to be my kid. And yet we turn on the TV every single day and we hear about more kids that have been injured or are missing. So keep that in mind, but talk with us, talk with us about the different things and how this affects you. And, and let's all be honest about, about where we're facing denial, what actions we're taking. You might have some information that helps the rest of us. So I ask you, participate. Emily's going to show you some of the different ways that you can and some of the different ways that you can be watching the live show and sharing what you learn here. I will remind you that our homepage is autism-live.com. When you go on that page, there's a lot of different things that you can do, not the least of which is sign up for our free newsletter. And I really hope that you'll do that because we're going to be sharing a lot of great information in that newsletter. But I also hope that you'll be watching the show and participating. So you see that computer that's sitting on the desktop on the, on the homepage, click on the triangle that's on the computer and you will automatically start the live show or the most recently recorded live show. 
Now, if you want to watch back shows, you can go up to, there's an icon in the corner that's the playlist icon, and you can cycle through and see what the different topics are and see, you know, you know, I missed last Thursday and I know that I want to watch that show. Or you say, ah, you know, because I heard that Temple Grandin was on. It's true. Uh, so go back and, and you can watch that show. Now to the side of that, there's a series of white boxes that say Shannon's answering right now. And below that it says your question. And that's your opportunity to participate in a very free, almost instantaneous way. Put your cursor there, start typing, hit enter. It will show up on the screen here. And if we're doing a live show, then that gives me the opportunity to interact with you and to have you interact with our guests that are here with us. And that is totally free. You don't have to log in. Nobody asks for any of your information, not even a credit card right because it's totally free and there's nothing where you're going to be charged in 15 days we literally don't know who you are and where you're writing in from so i always encourage you make sure that you at least reference especially if you're looking for services where you're writing in from uh, it's always helpful to know age of the the individual that we're talking about if you have a question that that helps us um, but specifically where you are because if if you write in and say you're from louisiana it's so vastly different than if you write in and say that you're coming to a us from Zimbabwe or Rhode Island. Uh, the services that are available to you and which direction we point you in will really, it's very location specific right now in the world of autism. We hope that changes, but right now that is. And then if there's something that you want specifically for us to get back to and not just answer on the live show, please make sure you include a way for us to get back to you. We won't share that with anybody else. We don't. Um, we know that it's really important that you maintain your anonymity, but uh, we want to help you. That's really what we're here for, to hook you up with resources and information to help you get further. Whether you're a parent, teacher, practitioner, or you're an individual who's on the autism spectrum, we know you've got questions. We know that there are things that you want to be able to have more access to or to be able to do better. We want to hook you up with that. And I always like to remind you at the start of the show that while we will have many experts on the show, I won't be one of them because that's, that's not my shtick. Uh, I'm a parent. My son was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half and bless his heart. He is a 11 now and he is the light of my life and doing so well and he's doing well because we got good information I got to spend some time yesterday with the person who turned my life around and gave me the best advice and said you need to start ABA and here's card's phone number and here's what you're going to do and here is how you're going to do it and wrote me a roadmap all in one afternoon and I, I thank her all the time here on the show and whenever I run into her I try to thank her and thank her family uh, but we sat yesterday and had a really emotional moment and I said I don't think you realize what you did for me and she said you know it's so funny you always say that but it was one afternoon and you know I just but it changed the course of my life and and when I've asked her in the past what can I do to repay you she always says the same thing pay it forward and I take that very seriously so please use me as a re resource uh, and and ask me to help you hunt down the information that you need I want to be in your corner because none of us are alone in this okay so having said all of that it's time for us to visit the jargon of the day segment this is when we take on one word one 
one phrase, one acronym. We give you an actual definition, which we sometimes poke fun of because it's so enjoyable and it's easy pickings. Because uh, sometimes the definition has more jargon in it than you started with. Uh, and then we give you a working definition so that you can really get a handle on what does this term mean in my life today? And how can this term help me to get to that progress that I want to see? So our term today, it's one of those slippery ones that it's a word that we use, but in a totally different context. So the term is elopement. And I have seen in the past when talking about this online, on social marketing, people will often make fun of this term and say, what are you talking about? Because we all automatically think of two people running away to get married and we start thinking about Niagara Falls. But in the area of autism, we're talking about something that's not nearly as fun. So let's take a look at our actual definition, elopement. When a person leaves an area without permission or notification, which can result in that individual being in a potentially dangerous situation. Okay, so if you think about the core of elopement, when two kids would run away, they didn't have permission, right? Um, but when we put it in the, in the arena of autism, we're talking about something really scary. So let's look at our working definition, uh, which I don't have, Emily, so you're gonna have to give me up on the, up on the screen. Uh, everything's frozen. But elopement is when our kids run away or wander. This is when they take off, they don't have permission to go. And uh, you know, if you're an autism parent out there, it is panic city. Our kids will do this. Statistics have shown us that over 50% of kids on the autism spectrum will elope at some time, more than half of them. And the trouble is, is that we never know when it's going to happen. We never know what is going to drive it happening. Uh, you might also, as that, my, the, the definition has finally come up for me, but it's frozen for Emily. Bolting is another term that they use. There it is. Um, so you might hear somebody talking about wandering, elopement, or bolting when you're hearing experts talking. It's all the same thing. It's when your kid takes off. Now, some of our kids will go off stealthily. They, they don't necessarily run away, but they'll just sneak away and other kids just run. My child was a runner and I used to say to people, it's as though he enjoys the feel of the wind in his hair and his hair against his ears because that's what he wanted to do and he thought nothing of just running in a direction away from me. I marvel when I'm at an amusement park and I watch people with little, little kids and they're not holding on to them, that they don't have a harness on, they don't have their hand, they're not gripping them. I, a couple of months ago, watched a woman standing in line with a child who couldn't have been more than two. And the little girl stood next to her in line for half an hour. And I, I couldn't do anything else. I was standing in another line and I just stared at it and went, I can't even imagine what that's like because that was not my experience of having a child. And, and people used to say to me, even before Jen was diagnosed, and he would just run. And, and people would say, boy, he doesn't ever look back to check and see where you are. And most kids do that. 
The truth is, is that our kids on the autism spectrum, and they do it for a variety of different reasons, and this is part of the reason why it's so hard to treat, but it's not impossible to treat. But some kids run away from something. They might be running away because they don't want to stand in the line, and it feels uncomfortable. To, I don't want to stand in the line, do you? And so they, they want to be a, a free and away from that. So they're running away from just the boredom of standing in the line. Other kids are running to something. There are some kids that know there's a pond down the street. And so they're running to the pond because they want to splash in the water. And then there are kids who run away to gain access to someone or something. They know that somebody had kittens down the street or they saw a car that they liked and they don't have the words to tell us what it is that they're running to, but they just run to it. And as I said, for some kids like my son, they just like the feel of it. Um, so we have to get inside their mindset and figure out which one of those things it is before we begin to treat it effectively. So we're going to start this week by saying to you that if you have a child that you even remotely suspect, and, and, and by that, I mean, you have not disproven that your child will never do this. So I think that's all of us. So if you think that there's even a possibility that your child could wander, bolt, or elope, it is really important that you get some good quality training for yourself and for your child in order to keep them safe. The statistics are way too high, you guys. And we're going to be talking to an expert in just a minute about how many people this really involves. We think it's not us but too often it can be. So elopement, a really important term, term that we need to know when experts are talking about this, and if somebody's asking you, do you need help with elopement? Unless you 100% know you don't, say yes. Okay, moving on. We always have a question of the day for you. In keeping with this uh, topic, we want you guys to talk a little bit about I know it's unthinkable to think if your child goes missing, but it happens and we've got to be prepared for it. So my question for you this morning is, what's your plan if your child does go missing? My stomach turns at the thought of this and I've got to shore this up for myself. I always want to do the proactive, let's make sure he doesn't go missing. And that's important. That's really important. But we also have to be very mindful that we have to have a plan in place in case the worst happens so that we can be the most effective at getting our kid back safe as quickly as possible. There was a case just last week. Was it last week or the week before of how many times have we reported this? The five-year-old who went missing and within a half an hour, he was found dead in a pond down the street. So we've got to have a plan for what we do. And we've got the best expert who's going to help us to figure out our plan and that's going to be with us in just a few moments. So our topic, we always have a topic for the week and our topic this week is safety. Again, can't think of anything more important. We all have different issues where safety is concerned and you may be past the point where you think elopement might be an issue, but there are other things that you're worried about. Maybe you're worried about internet safety. There are so many things that we have to look at. Um, to ensure that our kids are as safe as possible. And then here's the part that I have to say to myself and I have to remind to all of you, we will take all the action that we can, we will do everything that we can. And the truth of the matter is that it's impossible, impossible to keep our kids safe 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we, we have to acknowledge that 
and then we have to do our level best. We have to, this is job number one, to do everything that we can. Um, and then ensure that if something goes wrong, we've got a plan in place for that as well. These things are important. They're hard to talk about. I don't like talking about them either. But this is where I've talked to you before about how I can become the, the great paralyzed woman. When I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. I can really get stuck. None of us can afford to be paralyzed in this moment in time. We've got to take some action to ensure that we are fulfilling our duty of doing everything we can. So... It's as much me that I'm talking to as all the rest of us. We're going to hold hands and we're going to go through this together. So some of the things that we're doing today, our first guest who's going to be joining us in just a few minutes via Skype, Bob Lowry is going to be with us. And he is from the National Center for Missing Exploited Children. You know how you see those posters, uh, the dreaded posters that we, we all, none of us wants to see. Well, Bob is working at the command center and is going to talk to us specifically about when someone goes missing who has special needs and it is a special case we as a community have to get more informed about what we do when one of our own goes missing and we as parents and practitioners have to take certain steps and Bob's got some really good advice for us about what we can do today to have a plan in place in case the unthinkable happens because you don't want to be looking that stuff up when it happens then right we've got some autism news that we're going to update you I don't know if you guys saw a Washington Post article that goes hand in hand with a lot of things we've been talking about and then a little bit later on today, and I don't know the exact time because there's a lot happening here today, but Fiorello and Romario Snow are going to be with us at some point during the live show today. Romario Snow is the young man that we told you about that went missing on June 27th and was just found on July 19th. Uh, it was here in Los Angeles. He bolted. He is 18 years old. He has done that before, but he was with his mom and he bolted. And this woman spent 20 days scouring the streets of Los Angeles, never giving up hope, looking for her child, finally found him on the 20th day in a homeless shelter. So, Romario is okay. You know, he suffered some traumatic things while he was missing, but he's here in the building with his mom today, and they're both going to join us here on the show. Uh, everybody's in agreement that it, it helps Romario if he can talk about this, and I, I've got to say that as pa a parent of an individual on the spectrum, these are things that we all need to hear and we need to know about. And his mom has got some interesting tales to tell, too, about what she went through um, and what she has learned from this and some steps she's going to be taking. I, I, I guarantee you it's going to be something that you're not going to want to miss. So big, big show. Um, we may also uh, be running a little clip from uh, Temple Grandin as well today. So a lot happening today. And it's really the important stuff. I know it's hard. I know your gut goes, I don't, I don't want to look at this. Heaven knows I don't want to look at this. We have to. This is where we put on our big girl pants and our big boy pants and we look at this and do our level best because our kids deserve it. And, and I, I have to say, when I will take action, when I get unparalyzed and I take action, I sleep better. You know, and so I think that's a gift for all of us. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Bob Lowry from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Stick with us.
Hi, I'm Ryan with Autism Research Group. We study ways to improve the lives of kids with autism. One of those ways is teaching safety skills, such as what to do if they get lost. We hit the streets to find out if anybody knows the correct answer on how to teach a kid what to do if they get lost. You're teaching a child. What to do if they get lost. Yeah, you're trying to okay. make them independent so they have the skills. Gotcha, okay. Well, give them a compass. Code name's good idea, Centurion. We always have these whistles. Um. Oh, I'd also tell the kid, I tell the kid, don't get scared. It's all, you're gonna be all right, man. This is just the world. You're, this is planet Earth. You're at home here. As long as you're on planet Earth, you're at home. As long as you're on planet Earth, you're home. This guy's a genius. With that flawless logic, he just solved our homeless problem. And as for the unique sounding whistle, although very cool, it'll probably only work if you're in close proximity. And a compass. I have her call me. Yeah, she doesn't have a phone. Parents are like, you're too young, you don't need a phone. Establish some sort of like meeting place. What if they can't find a meeting place? Because sometimes Ooh. the kids get nervous when they get lost. Yeah. Like a backup plan. Well, like well, plan B. Yeah, I don't know. No, not really. Let them go and find a new kid. Or something. <laughs> yeah, I've got a different one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not much you can do. There is stuff like... you can do. That's right, there is stuff you can do. In 2012, myself, along with my colleagues, Dr. Jonathan Carbox and Dr. Adele Nadowski, published a study in the Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis on teaching kids what to do when they get lost. The study demonstrated how three simple things, rules, role playing, and praise, were effective in establishing these help-seeking behaviors. The benefit of this method is it doesn't require the child to have a cell phone or to have to locate a meeting place, which might be difficult if they're in a place like Disneyland. So once again, our method included rules, role playing, and praise. Let's head back outside and learn about some of these rules. They should yell out loud. Can't find my mom, my mom, help me. Maybe yell out and scream for help. All right, scream really loud. Correct. And if that doesn't work, then... I don't know. Well, they could seek help from someone. Find an adult. Yeah, go to a vendor, you know, and say I'm lost. Find an adult, like a police officer or a fireman or an employee in the store, and tell them, and maybe they can help you contact your parent. It really is that simple. You don't need to get your kid a cell phone. You don't need to establish a meeting place that they might not be able to find when they're lost and panicking. And you definitely don't need to give them a compass. All your kid has to do is three things. First, yell mom or dad real loud. Two, if that doesn't work, find an employee, and then third, tell the employee they're lost. If they can't locate an employee, then tell them to find a mother with children, because that's probably the safest person to approach. I'm not saying that most men are predators, but most predators are men. That is a fact. I've read it in a fortune cookie. All right, so you've gone over the rules with your kid, and you've quizzed them, and they're able to tell you the correct responses so they understand the rules, but is that enough? How do you know they're going to perform correctly in a real-world setting? You need to get out there and find out if they can actually do it. So you'd go over the rules and tell them, like, do this, do that, but how would you know if they actually knew what to do? If you wanted to shoot a basketball, and I just told you, oh, when you shoot a basketball, do this, this, and this. I never, never practiced. You never practiced, yeah. So it doesn't matter how many times we go over the rules or how well you can repeat them back to me, it's not going to change until you get on the court and practice. Maybe do, uh, like, a, you know, a little skit with them. Like a Kinda role play? Role like. play, yeah. Your child, you're lost in the toy aisle. Okay. What do you do? I'm an attendant walking around. <laughs> I'm lost, I don't know where my mom is. And then once you practice, you just like praise them, give them feedback, like good job, you did it. Like reinforcing it.
Yes, this woman wins the prize for best comment. She pointed out the most important part of learning, reinforcement. Now, in our study, we used praise, but for your kid, you might have to use something else. You might have to buy them a treat, a toy, take them to their favorite restaurant where they can eat unhealthy food and run around and climb through plastic tunnels that have the unmistakable scent of urine and then play games spending $20 to get a plastic little spider ring that they will eventually lose in the ball pit. The point is, you need to reward your child for correctly demonstrating what you've been teaching them. Okay, I'm gonna call her. Hello, your child, Ryan, <laughs> So you tested it out in the store <laughs> to make sure I knew it. I had the rules, we role played it and you made sure I knew it, and then like you said, good job, and all that. Now we're good to go. We're good to go. All right. Done? High five right there. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. Give your child the rules, get out there and practice, and reward your child for responding correctly. For more information, please visit us online at autismresearchgroup.org. I'm Ryan Bergstrom. Thanks for watching. Yes, ding. No. <laughs> Yes, this woman wins the first. Yes, this woman. Yes, this woman wins the best. Yes, this woman wins the first. Yes, this woman. Why can't I say woman? Yes, this woman wins. What's the line? Yes. So that was Ryan Bergstrom, and uh, if you watch the show, you've heard me talk about Ryan before. He was one of the first therapists that worked with my son, and uh, he's the one that showed up and it was, he looked like he was 19 years old, showed up in board shorts and flip-flops, and I thought, really? What is this child going to help me with? And he was the first person to be there to help me work through an extinction process with my son, an extinction procedure, so that he stopped hitting his head against the kitchen floor. Changed my life. Uh, that's what that 19-year-old in board shorts and flip-flops did for me. So uh, important topic that we're talking about. We're talking about elopement, what we can do about elopement. And here, uh, Ryan has put together this lovely video, Lost in Public, about how important it is that we teach our kids what to do if they get lost. And I know none of us wants to be on that side of it. We want to be as proactive as possible on the other end, and we need to do that. But especially for our kids who have enough receptive language to be able to understand what we're saying to them, we want to also, we want to front load with a bunch of safety things, but we want to back load with here are the things that you need to do. Uh, Ryan works uh, on a whole safety protocol here at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders that is amazing. My son went through it. It uh, about gave me a heart attack when we were going through it because it required working up to, and it took months. So we're not talking about this was a Tuesday and then we did this other thing on Wednesday. It took months, but we worked up to the point where my husband took him to a big store and we had four undercover therapists that were there who were stationed around the store so that there was never a moment that someone did not have eyes on my child. But my husband walked away from my child when my son wasn't looking. Had to take him to the Lego aisle to do that, right? Uh, he was engrossed in the Legos. My husband walked away. So my child stood up, knew that he was alone, and had to demonstrate that he knew what to do. And he thought he was alone. I was at home. I was in the middle of a live radio show while they were doing it. I declined Valium, but 
you know, <laughs> pretty much needed to be on volume. And then they texted me and said that he passed with flying colors. And if you've ever watched Oprah, I used to love, Oprah would do from time to time where she would do this with neurotypical kids, that she would ask the parents, do your kids know what to do when X, Y, and Z happens? And they would go, yes, we've told them. They absolutely know. And then Oprah would go door to door, would have this guy, creepy looking guy, who would have a bunch of puppies in his car and he would go to the door and say, hey, can you come help me? I've got all these puppies in my car. And the kids, the neurotypical kids would leave their home and get in the car and drive away with the kid, with the, the guy with the puppies. I'm telling you, it's important. And then the parents would learn, oh, I guess, you know, we didn't cover that. So it's important for us to rehearse. It's important for our kids to rehearse. It's important that we give them the tools and give them an opportunity to run it. But you have to do it with help. You have to do it the proper way. You have to ensure your kids' safety while you're doing those things. Four people, four therapists. And they also um, had somebody walk up and try to talk to him and have him say you're a stranger and run away. So, uh, and Ryan does that safety protocol. It's pretty incredible. I want to take a, I was wrong about the timing. So we're going to have Bob Lowry just in about 15 minutes from now, but I wanted to take a second to talk to you about some of the stories in the news over the weekend since we were last here with you. And the first one, I want to talk about the thing that they're calling Avante's law. You all remember Avante Aquendo. How could we possibly ever forget Avante? He went missing last October from his special needs school, walked out a door, and we have the videotape to show him walking out the door. New York City looked for him for months, and eventually, in the spring, they recovered the remains of his body. And it really created a firestorm for so many people around the world, but especially in New York and in New York City, about the fact that this young man, his mother, sent him to school thinking that he was going to be safe. He had escaped before. He had bolted before. And there was supposed to be safety lock on the door. And there wasn't. So uh, there was a bill called Avante's Law. And on Thursday, it passed the city council in, this, in New York City 49 to 0 uh, in favor of requiring that the Department of Education and police will examine public school buildings that should have exterior door alarms. And, you know, I don't know about you, um, but is it crazy that we had to work and lobby as a community to get it to the point where they're just agreeing to examine which schools need them? Uh, it really brings home how much more work we have to do. It's important that this bill passed, and we're grateful that this bill passed. Uh, but it's a little on the crazy side that this wasn't already in place. Uh, supporters say that the measure is designed to prevent incidents such as the death of 14-year-old Avante Aquendo. Uh, his disappearance sparked a citywide search for months until his remains were found in January. So again, first priority in the door alarm evaluation process will be given to schools that are serving students in pre-kindergarten through fifth grade, as well as schools serving individuals with severe disabilities. Uh, 
uh, on May 30th, the Education Department must give the council a list of schools that need alarms and a timeline for installing them and must also report annually on its safety training for educators. And City Council Speaker Melissa Mark Vivitero said that if edu education officials decide an alarm isn't warranted in a particular school, the council might challenge that assessment. That's going to be where parents are going to have to get involved. Parents are going to have to watch and see which schools have been earmarked to have them. And if you see that your school hasn't, you're going to have to lobby, um, but they can turn it around. And she also said that this law will give parents the peace of mind they deserve when sending their kids to school. Unbelievable. We're thrilled that the law has passed um, in the city of New York. Uh, and I think it's important it's one of the things that we all need to be looking at in our area to see what the legislation processes are. Now, a flip side of this story of elopement is that sometimes parents are so overtaxed and don't know what to do when a child elopes that they will take extreme measures. So we've also been reporting on the stories of the young man here in Los Angeles who, uh, whose parents were locking him in a cage at night. And when asked, why are you doing this? The parents who don't have a good command of English have said, we needed to do that for our safety and his safety. Then there was the story last week about the adult twins who every night their parents are uh, locking them into a basement <clears throat> with no lights, no bed, and their parents have been charged with abuse. In both cases, the parents have been charged with abuse. But in, in this case as well, the parents have said they run. What would you have us do? Now, I think it's really important that none of us is condoning putting a child in a cage and none of us is condoning locking children into a room that do not have quality living standards. Uh, we have to make sure that our kids are safe, yes, but locking them into a room where they don't have things to be safe, safe and stay safe it isn't helping the problem. And when I think about what could have happened with either of these situations in the case of a fire, you know, it sends a chill down my spine. Now, the Washington Post decided over the weekend to do an article. Dan Morse wrote this article, and I want to encourage you to take a look at it. Um, but he says that coping with adult children with autism, parents may face a least bad choice and cites both of these cases. And he's, uh, he has a quote from Mark Bucknam, a professor at the National War College who lives two miles away from the family that had their twin adult sons in locked in the basement. He said, we can't condone their choices. Uh, but he goes on to say, but it's possible that in their minds, this was the least bad way to deal with this. It's a really incredible article. Uh, and as I said, I encourage you to talk about it and to read it and understand what's being said in this article. There are some great resources that they give too, talking about, um, things that you can do that are better choices, uh, like getting therapy. He, at one point, he quotes in Montgomery, uh, Lori Reyes, who is a county police officer who sees these kinds of cases 
on an ongoing basis, she says two or three people with autism wander away from their homes every week in her area of jurisdiction, uh, and that she works really hard, hard with families to employ a layered approach to keep the kids and the adults safe, including identification bracelets, information letters given to the neighbors talking about what is happening in your home, letting them know what the ability level of your individual, because uh, I don't want to assume it's a child, it might be an adult, letting them know what's happening. A part of that too, if you have people in the neighborhood who have swimming pools and don't keep them locked really well, you want to make sure that you make them aware of the fact that you have a child who's drawn to water and elopes. Uh, they all, she also encourages in-home therapists, alarm systems, electronic tracking bracelets, and she really um, encourages families to not just have one of these, but to have a series of them. So uh, really incredible. And then she goes on in the article, and this is really what we're going to be talking about the rest of the day, to talk about the difference between when a child goes missing and when an adult on the autism spectrum goes missing. This was really driven home to us this last week in the case of Romario Snow, because he, as I said, went missing on June 27th. I host a show about autism in the city where he went missing, and I found out that he was missing on July 18th. I didn't know. And largely the, the autism community did not know. And this mom, Fiorello Snow, was out on the streets by herself with one, one detective helping her look for her child. And she is the one who found her child by herself. Uh, and when I became aware of it, and um, it was a mom who brought it, another autism mom who found out about it and brought it to the attention of Nancy Allsbaugh Jackson, who called me and said, are you covering this? There isn't any coverage in the media. Are you covering it? And I said, I didn't know. I did not know about this. So we immediately said, what are we doing wrong as a community in our hometown? Because when Avante went missing, the entire city turned out. I mean, you know, a horrifying moment in the history of autism and New York City when that child went out that door. But I have to say how proud I am of the city of New York, all of their first responders, and so many people. People came in, people bust in from New Jersey to help scour the subway system to look for Avante. And here was Romario, and he was missing, and his mom was alone. What is the difference between these two young men? Is it just because one lived in New York and one lived in Los Angeles? A bigger difference is that one was 14 and one was 18. And when it's an adult on the spectrum and they go missing, it is an entirely different story. And that's exactly what this Washington Post article goes into. Um, she says that people are less likely to intervene when they see an adult who's acting in a way that's outside the norm. They assume drug abuse. They assume that there are other things and they don't want to get involved. They fear for their own safety. But if people see an eight-year-old who's wandering by themselves, they're much more likely to ask questions or report it. And that that's part of the big difference. We have seen in the case of Romario as well is that people assume, people who don't understand about autism, assume assume that when someone is 18 years old and they they've disappeared that it's because they meant to that they wanted to and 
you know, in the case of autism, we can't assume that. Um, and we know that it's not in their best interest to be wandering and be uh, out on the streets. So uh, I encourage you to read the Washington Post article. It's very well written. Uh, they do go on to talk about that this particular officer has testified in multiple cases supporting legislation that would, prom uh, would prompt health insurance companies to pay for in-home alarm systems, arguing that it is medically necessary for the safety of the individual. So far, she has only been involved in two cases where the insurance company subsequently decided to cover it. Shocking. Very shocking. Uh, but I love this idea of the Laird approach. We're going to be talking more and more about that this week, about all the different measures that you can take. But of course, you know, first thing is you've got to make sure that you've shored up your security with things like alarms, in-home alarm. Um, some individuals wear a bracelet, some wear a tag on a shoe, but if they don't have the shoe on, right, uh, there are um, ankle bracelets uh, that individuals wear. You know, I, there are many different products that are out there, and we're going to talk about some of them. That's a really important part, making sure that you have some sort of security so that you know if a door or window in your home opens. Um, all of that is super duper important, but a, a really critical component is working towards using quality ABA, working towards the individual having the means to communicate with you so that they don't elope, that they can say, Hey, I want to go running or, Hey, I want to go see the cat down the street, or I don't want to do this. I, I want to run away from you right now. I know that that sounds like way too easy. And if we could just make our kids say that, you know, it takes a long time to work up to that. But it is the thing that prevents the elope. Because for those of us who have dealt with it, it feels like it's going to be the rest of your life. Uh, it does not have to be. It does not have to be. Um, so we encourage you to make sure that you reach out and get all the help and support you can to put this layered approach on. All right, we are going to take a break, and then we're going to be joined by Bob Lowry from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Stick with us. When you find out you're having a boy, you always think, like, oh, he's going to play football, he's going to do this and that. And then when he's diagnosed... All those things get washed away. It's like that piece that's always in the back of your mind, you know? Where is he? What is he doing? Is he safe? We really didn't know what we were dealing with. I wish that they could have directed me a little bit more and provided me some information. I was a young mom. I didn't know what it was like to raise a boy despite a boy with autism. Hundreds of thousands of families are not getting the help they need for their children with autism all around the country. Act today is determined to bridge the gap. These families really have to go through a lot to get a grant. The application process isn't easy. The records, the diagnosis proof, they're really battling for their kids. So when we can give them a grant, it is so wonderful to see that they succeed in getting that help for their children. Our founder, Dr. Doreen Grampache, is an amazing woman and she is one of the world's foremost authority on behavior of children with autism. She's extremely knowledgeable and she oversees every single grant we give. She is part of that process. 
People may think of autism care and treatment as simply schooling or therapy. You know, we provide important safety supports, things like fencing, for example. The whole family's living in fear of that child running out into traffic. I recently delivered an iPad to a little boy with some of the apps that are out there for children with autism. Miracles happen. I got the iPad from ACT. From ACT, What yes. did it say? Can you repeat that, Dustin? I got the iPad from ACT. We have helped so many military families. And when I think of these brave families that are fighting two battles, one to protect our country and one for the right treatment and care for their children, it, it breaks my heart. And I think we have to do more as a nation to help them. There's not a day that doesn't go by that we don't think about it. Some people say, oh, he's normal. You don't see the battles that I see every single day. My husband does have to deploy, and when they get on that bus, that might be the last time that my kids ever see them. So I called, and then they informed me that he had received the grant, which was like a blessing from above. I was just like speechless. I just started to cry because you know, without it, we would we would have been lost. The AT grant was a total miracle. Without that, they wouldn't be able to receive a service dog. So we're so appreciative what they've done for us as a family. Recently, ACT Today funded a program for military children with autism in San Diego, the Inclusion Films program, which is run by Joey Travolta, and teaches uh, kids on the autism spectrum literal filmmaking skills. They learn how to make a movie. Everybody? Okay. Everything that goes into the process of making a film goes into everyday life. So they're learning life skills, they're learning to collaborate. It was really nice to know how much they were enjoying this camp and they're with people who are supporting them and are making them feel great about themselves and their differences and their similarities. And I get two kids that are working together and apart and together and apart, so it's an interrelationship as well as a camp and a learning experience. It's so fulfilling when I get letters. One stands out for me, a, a boy who was 14 with Asperger's and we gave him a grant to go to a drama camp. He wrote to us and said, Dear Act Today, thank you for letting me belong for the first time in my life. These kids are remarkable. You know, we underestimate them. They're so knowledgeable, they're so capable, and we can change the life of a family, which means changing the life of a community. Welcome back to Autism Live. We are joined right now via Skype by Bob Lowry. He is joining us from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They are that amazing organization. None of us likes to hear about them, but nobody likes to see the posters, but they are instrumental in saving lives when the bad stuff happens to our kids. So first of all, Bob, we welcome you to Autism Live. Well, thank you for having me on. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure to be on with you. Well, it's a thrill for us to have you on here because we need to face some facts that our kids with autism will wander, they will elope. You get to sit at a desk where you're seeing this more and more often, correct? Well, 
Well, being here at the National Center, obviously we get a national perspective of, of the issue. Uh, you know, we are quite concerned with the, the, the demographic that seems to be increasing and the numbers from the CDC are not good. Uh, but I can tell you from our experience here at the National Center, we do see increases in the reports that are made to us of children who wander. Uh, it's estimated right now that nearly 50% of our children with autism will wander sometime in their lifetime. So we are quite concerned. We're not only concerned for the safety of these kids, but also um, you know, getting them back to a safe place quickly. And sometimes we can do that, but in other cases, like we've seen recently, that it isn't always, doesn't always happen. Right. These are, don't always have happy endings. But you have really filled a need for our community and put some incredible resources on your website, missingkids.com. And I want to talk about some of these things, uh, Mr. Lowry, because I think a lot of times parents are paralyzed. The idea that our children could go missing at some point is so terrifying. We don't want to look at it. But there are things that we could do today that would make us feel better because in the event that our child should ever go missing, it's going to make it easier to find our kids if we use your resources. I want you to know that our question of the day to our viewers was, what plan do you have in place in case your child should go missing? These are all autism parents who answered and overwhelmingly they've answered I will have a heart attack I will I will freak out and run screaming and I'll call the police but we're not hearing we had one parent who wrote it and said I have a plan I have information about him I've got hair with DNA uh, you know and I, I want to cheer on that mom but we all need to be more like her and we can be if we use your resources so talk to us a little bit about what you wish parents would have in place well, one is that it's important is that if your child does go missing or, or does wander from you, um, stay calm. Call law enforcement and, and notify the police as quickly as you can. Be prepared to answer questions that are, it's going to, when you're in crisis, it's going to be a little hard to remember, but things like what clothing your child was wearing, you know, the, the type of hairstyle they had that day. And it's important, even things like their shoes. Um, some of our children, as you know, will shed that clothing as well. Uh, but it, it's important that we keep that, uh, we keep that information handy. But get law enforcement on site as quickly as we can. The other thing we tell, we say, but well, after you notify law enforcement, engage anyone that you have in your vicinity that you know, anyone you can get to start looking at places for your child, favorite places they may go. But we're also concerned about water, as you know, as uh, a lot of the deaths that have been attributed to children with autism has been a result of drowning. So we advise to get as many people as they can to water hazards and don't even wait for the police to get there. Get, get, uh, and try to head your children off as quickly as possible. Okay, and you've got some forms that we could fill out today and just keep like, you know, with a magnet on the refrigerator or stick in the freezer in an envelope that will help law enforcement if our child should go missing, right? And you've got those forms on your website. We do. And in, uh, under our missingkids.com website for the National Center, there's an area called publications. And when you, when you scroll down, uh, click that on and then look for law enforcement resources there. And there is a, a full publication that we would written for first responders and law enforcement on what to do and how to conduct a search for a child with special needs. And within that document is a questionnaire for caregivers and parents specifically asking information about your child. As we know, each one of our children are unique and their behaviors are going to be unique. And it's important that those police officers and those first responders get that information immediately because the faster they can get that, that, that information, the quicker we can find your child. 
Okay, well, I want to commend you guys on the work that you do. Um, I, I know you work with a lot of autism organizations, and we have uh, have talked to you now, and we're going to be more involved with you in letting people know when a child is missing somewhere in the United States. I, I want to thank you and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children for taking the time to consider that things will be different for our kids with autism and helping us to be hooked up with these resources. You, you guys are doing a remarkable job and we commend you. Well, thank you, but uh, our work is still, we still have a lot of work ahead of us. Uh, parents would be very helpful. Uh, just keep in mind is that uh, uh, protection of your children first lies within the family, then with law enforcement, and then we'll be there to help you as well. Uh, but our kids, uh, we are concerned, uh, and we're going to be there for you. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Bob, and thank everyone for the good work they're doing there. Thank you very much. Appreciate you on. Thank you. We are going to take a pause at this moment in, in the show, and I promise you that we might talk a little bit, um, Temple Grandin, from, uh, we want to show you her TED Talk today. Um, we need, sometimes you need a palate cleanse, and you need something that's going to uplift you, and so we're going to show this. It's going to throw our schedule a little bit off, but uh, then we'll be back after this. I've got something i got to deal with, and you're going to watch Temple, but we'll be back to answer some of the questions you guys have been writing in, so stick with us. fellow activists, last week we talked about the first step to empowerment, accept and embrace this challenge. Sometimes you have people that support you in your denial. Maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your mother. When I expressed my concern to my pediatrician about Wyatt losing language around the age of two, his response, maybe he's a late talker, he's a boy, let's wait and see. <laughs> But what about the temper tantrums? What about the fact that he put his head through the kitchen window? What about the bite marks and scratches all over my arms and chest? He said he's probably just frustrated that he can't express himself. Let's wait and see. But autism doesn't afford us that luxury. Of course, I was relieved of my pediatrician's reassurances, but I should have gone with my gut. Because if I had, I could have gotten a diagnosis two years earlier and I lost two valuable years that could have been spent on early intervention. And finally, when Wyatt was diagnosed, he was misdiagnosed. But of course, part of that was my problem too. I lied in a lot of those parent questionnaires so things looked better. I can't turn back the hands of time, but I can recommend that you face this challenge head on. Denial prevents us from walking a path we eventually will have to walk anyway. The sooner you face the truth, the sooner you can help your child. Until next time, take care of yourself and keep the faith. Welcome back to Autism Live. We are, we're here, we didn't go away. Uh, and it, we're past the time to show the A word, but I wanna backtrack and just show the A word. Just wanna let you know that I got to go hold babies uh, for a couple of seconds. Romario Snow and Fiorello Snow, his mom, are here with us. I did not know that uh, Romario is a big brother, that he has two twin baby sisters that are probably like eight months old. Is there anything that is more luscious than babies? I just don't know. 
Uh, but so be jealous. I got to hold babies. I know you guys have written in a bunch of questions and we are going to get to them, but I don't want to miss the A word. Uh, and we're going to run it a little bit late, but, uh, Romario and his mom are going to be with us in just a few minutes too. So let's check out the A word. We're going to come back and answer some questions that you guys have written in, and then we're going to have that interview with them. So here it is the A word. Oh, really? Whoa. Whoa. Oh, really? 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 Jessica received an email from the other therapist that Jack Riley has been attempting to bite them, so she's checking in with Mike and Cheryl to see what's going on. Has he tried to bite you guys? He bit oh, me he on you. Tuesday. Tuesday morning. He bit me. Was it? Just out of... Oh, it was aggression. Was there a consequence? I, I, I snapped at him and he cried. Kind of unexpected too. Yeah. Or if he doesn't bite out of a girl, yeah. he never did that it's, before. It's, it's this sort of this week. No, no, yeah, uh, the girls have been telling me like just about every session he's yeah, been Mary, Yeah, Mary and me tried to bite her hand because he didn't want to walk. Yeah. And, and they, so we they took they him out again yesterday. It didn't start out well, but I think it ended up okay. Which his reward was he could, if he would walk to the count of 20, he could jump with mommy and daddy. We would have him jump. And that seemed to be enough of a reward for him to try to yeah. keep going without you know, going limp five, or trying to fight. Five bite. jumps and then take 20 steps. So would it be okay if we went for a walk about like 9 30? No. Okay, 9.45. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hey, what's your name? My typewriter. And how old are you? Two. When's your birthday? Oh, cool. That's soon. Are you worried about the biting? Um, a little bit. Um, because I know a lot of our kids do it to get a reaction or um, to do it just, you know, out of protest that they don't want to do something. Um, I just don't want it to become an issue and become a behavior where it'll he'll generalize it to everybody else, like his family, um, therapists. So far, it doesn't sound like it's been happening a lot. Um, I just wanted to do it today just to see what the antecedent is and why he's doing it. Is it because he wants an extra minute to play or he doesn't want to, you know, transition from outside inside yet? Just to see what's actually going on. No, stop. 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 Stay with mommy though. Nope. Hold my hand. Stay with mommy first. Uh, Hold my hand. Uh, no, you wanna what you wanna go to, to count to twenty? Should we count to twenty? And then you get little mermaid or do you wanna play with Tantrum. Stand up. What do you want? Tell me. I want. I want a little baby. 
Okay, then let's walk for 20 steps 20 and then steps you can get mermaid. Can have her. Okay, let's Ready? go. Usually I just let him go free because he's been in therapy all day. Right. So that's part of he's, he expects to be able to just run. I would suggest just to get his compliance under control first. You give him an instruction, he complies, you give him his little freedom. Because I know he wants to run around. Give him words to use, like, you know, give me one more minute or, you know, I want more grass. Yeah. Jack. or be consistent about the rules outside. Like, you know, when I ask you to come here, you gotta come here. You know, I mean, if, if he's just not behaving, if he's not doing anything we ask, okay. is it okay to pick him up and say, okay, we're going in? I don't know what to do. I mean, I get so frustrated. I think, well, look, the, only, the only option I have is can, let's, we're going in. And, I'll, and he won't go in with me, so I pick him up. I can't do when he's 10, of course. Now it's like his, his main, uh, his main, lay down. My suggestion would be um, ask him to come here, but just, you know, give him hugs or say what's up, but then have him run again. So that when you finally do give him the instructions, he's not, you know, too upset about it. Yeah. Because because um, sometimes when you ask him to come here, he'll put up a fight because he knows that means I gotta go now. So if every if every now and then he comes here and just gives you a hug, gives you a kiss, gets to be free, free, then he, it won't be such a bad such association. A, yes. It was a nice experience. And, uh, the last couple times have been seriously to where I, I didn't even want to take him outside again. Uh, just so traumatic. Go, go, go. Go, go, go. Little mermaid. Little mermaid. Oh, there she go. Oh, here, y'all. Dumb mermaid. Hey, come, come down. Oh, my goodness. Oh, go show Susie the other little mermaid. Oh, my mermaid. goodness, yeah. Yeah, you are wearing a shirt. I'll be right back. You'll be right back. I'll be, <laughs> <laughs> be right back. Oh, yeah, that's too funny. Welcome back to Autism Live. We've got lots of discussion that we're having here. So that was the A word. Want to encourage you to be watching that entire series uh, at whatever point makes the most sense for you. Um, but you can see that this family in this particular video, they're already starting to work on compliance when they're on the sidewalk of saying to letting him take a couple of steps. And we've seen in previous episodes, they do it in the hallway first to kind of give him the primer and warm up. And if he can't do it in the hallway, they go back inside. It's like, here are the rules. When we say stop, you stop and we celebrate. And if you don't, we say come back. And if you don't do that and you won't do that, we're back inside. Last week we showed the tantrum that he had because they went, mm, you're not going to listen. We're going back inside. You don't get to go out to the grass. And this is a boy who's motivated by the grass. Now, these are just the beginning steps of beginning to work on safety. And that lesson is going to grow and grow and grow. And eventually they're going to be working on, they probably are by now, working on having him cross the street and looking both ways. Uh, I will tell you that my son is 11, just turned 11. 
And he now occasionally, we allow him to cross a street by himself with us standing there and monitoring and talking to him. But he has not yet at 11 crossed a street by himself. And, you know, I'm sure that there are people who are like, well, that's, you know, you should be doing that. Every child is different. And you, you, you really have to go with your gut feeling about when are they ready? When are they doing things? We, we started a game just yesterday, in fact, where I, I just... In the last year, we, we've had a thing with my son where I, in a parking lot, need him to be hypervigilant, and we've started to let him walk the shopping cart back to the corral to put it back. And uh, But it's hard. There's so many things going on in a parking lot, especially in the summer. There's all these noises, and there's light, and people aren't paying attention. And, and it's so hard to convince your kid that they need to pay attention when other people aren't paying attention, right? They have to be pay attention for themselves and for other people who aren't mindful. So we started a game yesterday that somebody had said this is a great way to do with boys girls don't get it as much but that you know to give them the picture of a clock and where things are in a clock 12 o'clock six o'clock three o'clock nine o'clock the whole thing and so now I quiz him as we're walking through the parking lot that he's it's to keep him mindful so as we're going through the parking lot yesterday I said okay what's at your four and then he would kind of picture the clock it would take him a second and he would go oh there's a, a black car at my four and then I would say well what's at your two and he said to me, as we're walking, my two changes. And I said, yes, that's wonderful. Um, and so I think I'm going to be doing a lot more with this to, to help him to be spatially aware of all the things going around him. You hear the stories. It's just mind boggling. Um, but we're talking about safety today. And you guys have written in some things. It is true that Romario Snow is going to be on the show. Somebody had written in and asked. Uh, there will be a link after. Afterward on the show and of course the the live show will air and then the live show is available immediately afterwards on YouTube so you can be watching it then uh, and then within the next couple of days we'll have just a link with just the interview with Romario I just got to meet him and what a lovely young man oh I just um, there, there will be tears. Let's say that. Uh, okay. Somebody wants to know as Romario is 18 age of majority, um, that there have been problems. We had problems with local media buying in and taking an interest in sharing information in spite of his social emotional age being much less than an 18 year old. His situation has, was not considered as serious. It was so frustrating to be ignored by the many TV radio newspaper folks. And I just have to say, that uh, my apologies are included with the entire media. You know, one of the reasons why I had to leave for a second is that we do have uh, large media covering the story now. When we learn, we do more, we do better. And I, I have to commend the lovely Lolita Lopez from NBC4 is here in the building right now and is interviewing uh, the snows in this moment. I can only tell you as a member of the media, I was not alerted in any way. My understanding is that a press release was posted on the LAPD, um, but, you know, there are lots of press releases there. And so the autism community didn't know. And so the autism community didn't alert the media. We are going to try to do this better in the future. It's one of the reasons why we had Bob Laurie on from the National Center for Exploited and Missing Children is that I started by calling, the, I saw the poster of Romario and I started calling him and saying, what's happening and what do I need to know and why did I not know about 
this. So they're going to be working with us now that when a child goes missing, they're also going to alert us so that we will do something on the very next available live show. Uh, I know it's not the be all end all because we're only here during the time that we're here, but at least there's a way we, uh, as a member of the autism community, alerted the autism community and there is some movement now. So I want to say to all of you watching that if your child goes missing, the first thing that you want to do is alert the, the local first responders. And as Bob was saying, get all the people in the immediate vicinity to begin looking for your child and check the water first check the water first at, you know, do not delay to check those water resources. Um, but then it, if your child is missing and it's for any substantial amount of time and you want some help, please reach out to us. We will do everything we can to notify the autism community where you are to help to alert them that they need to mobilize. Uh, we want to be a part of making this better so that I said to Fiorella Snow, we I don't ever want to hear that a mom was walking by herself on the streets looking for her child, not for one day alone, but 20 days. I could just sob, you guys. Um, okay, and, and again, the next question is, the autism community should address this lack of concern by media due to the age of the individual. If he were younger, we might have had information disseminated sooner, and he might not have been missing for 21 days. Exactly. These are exactly... I do take that on. I take responsibility, but I, if... I can't know everything, um, right? Because you only know what you know. And I will say Wanda Rapp, an amazing mom who took it upon herself and said, why aren't mo more people knowing about this? She notified Nancy Allspaw Jackson. Nancy Allspaw Jackson notified me. This is how autism communities work. The moms communicate with each other. So if you are a parent or a caregiver or someone and you have an awareness, please bring it to our attention and we will bring it to everybody's attention that we can get a hold of. There it is. Uh, but we have to be a part of this all together. Um, so I encourage you guys be in touch. Those are the questions that we've got to date that are for us. We know that there are some questions that have come in and they're for Dr. Doreen Grampache, which is tomorrow. Uh, so again, want to make you aware a little bit of the schedule tomorrow. Uh, Dr. Doreen Grampache will be here. She will be answering your questions live. We have her actually live tomorrow. And then in the second hour during Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, Nancy and I are going to be here. We are pinning down the variety of different guests that we have. There's somebody who uh, is amazing here in Los Angeles working on um, conservatorships, how important it is that we conserve our children. This is one of the things that we've encountered in the Romario snow case is that because, and bless his mom's heart, I, I said to her the other day, I, I host a show about autism, but six months ago, I did not know that we need to conserve our children in order to have rights when they turn 18 as parents. I did not know that. And if I don't know that, then I'm sure that there are a bunch of people out there who don't know that. So, um, part of the reason why the response is what it is, is that there is an assumption amongst first responders that if an individual is 18 years of age and is not conserved, then they have the ability and capabilities of an 18 year old and they don't panic. And if we want them to panic when our 18 and 20 and 35 year olds are missing, we need to take the first step and have them conserved. It's the first inclination to the people that we are talking to that our individual 
school is not functioning at an adult level with the, all the responsibilities that would need to be on board um, for them to be free to make their own choices. So we're hoping to have somebody from Betzetic tomorrow. I'm just checking my messages to see if they've confirmed that they are going to be able to have someone. And then we're also trying to get a couple of really incredible advocates who have been giving us advice to give to the family here on the show with us as well tomorrow. So, uh, and then on Thursday, we have the incredible Dr. Del Nadowski and Dr. Jonathan Tarbox, who will be joining us and answering your questions. And we're going to be talking specifically about safety for that as well. All right, we're going to take a break and we're going to be back with more of Autism Live after these messages. Hi, I'm Lisa Ackerman. Welcome back to Talk of Facts, where you get to ask the questions and we help lead you to the common answers and available for your autism journey. A most common question we get is, why are some of the treatments uh, used in the medical world not covered for autism? My answer to you, and it may shock you, is they are covered. The stopgap between payment and non-payment is how you code your insurance bills. Now, there are some standards uh, in American Academy of Pediatric Standards of Care for autism that are covered. Those are available on the Takanao website, takanao.org. But what you find often, and this has been proven in multiple studies, that children with autism not just suffer with or have issues with that label, they also have a lot of other medical issues that tend to come with autism. So as a parent, you need to know we have a complete white paper on all of the things I'm going to describe to you that's free. It talks about the most common comorbid conditions that comes with autism. So comorbid, just think of it as comes with. So at the TACA website, we give you all of the codes in our health insurance tips, reimbursement tips document um, that will help you code and get the maximum reimbursement from your health insurance company. So no, autism is treatable. And yes, health insurance do pay for that treatment. So hopefully the, that tip helped. Um, we'll see you back next time for the next Talk of Fact. Welcome back to Autism Live. Had another story that was very big in the news this last weekend, and especially for those of us who have a lot of autism family friends on Facebook and other social uh, networking. You know, Michigan has been trying really hard to be uh, a place where you can get good quality coverage for autism. We've heard from their governor talking uh, about how important it is that he wants Michigan to be a place where people would want to come and look at it as being very autism friendly. And we think that that's remarkable. We've commended the governor um, for doing that. But they're reporting now that they've got a bottleneck because it's taking so long. There are so many families who are seeking diagnostic services that it's taking a long time and that sometimes kids are suffering because they can't get the services they need. Um, so there is an article um, that was done, and Rosemary Parker is the author of this, uh, talking about this particular problem. And and, uh, centering around Kalamazoo and the fact that so many people are seeking services in Kalamazoo. So, but they do give some recommendations in this article and you can find it. Um, the title of the article is autism diagnosis bottleneck, leaving Michigan kids stranded without services. And um, they talk about the legislation that covers it. Um, but you can't get
get, here's the rub here. You can't get your quality ABA until you have the prescription for it. So insurance will cover it. Insurance will pay for it. And that's lovely, but you have to have a prescription. It's just like your, your regular health plan might cover penicillin, but you can't just go buy penicillin, right? Unless you're in another country, you have to have a prescription for it. Same thing with ABA. So how do you get the prescription for it? You need to go and get diagnosed. And then that doctor writes the prescription. And if you have to wait six months to get that appointment, you're waiting more than six months, more than six months for the ABA because you can't even sign up to get the services. So maybe in six months you get the diagnosis and now you've got a six month waiting list um, for the services. I would encourage people don't wait. There are lots of services that will lend you money uh, to be able to start services or, you know, if, if that's an issue and I can understand why it would be start skills. Don't wait. Be learning these techniques yourself. You're going to be better off and you'll already be using skills. But there are several different things. If you are um, in the Michigan area, uh, I would encourage you to read this article and they talk about some of the different services that are available. Um, there is something called the Great Lakes Center for Autism Treatment and Research in Portage. Um, and that they can be a great resource. Um, but, you know, and, and I understand from the article that they are trying to ameliorate this, uh, this bottleneck, but it, it's, it's going to take a while and nobody should be sitting on their hands waiting for that. I, I have to say, and, and there's a whole part of this article where they talk about, um, all the insurances are different and that some families are, are waiting six months to get the diagnosis, waiting another six months to start the services and then finding out that their copay is so extensive that they can't afford it at that point. And we're a year down the road, the window's closing. It gives me agita thinking about all of it. I want to speak to all of you, wherever you are, Michigan or any place else, you've got to find the way and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are other people in your area. I'm, I'm going to say this for pretty much everywhere around the world. At this point in time, there's probably somebody else there that might be at least one step ahead of you. There are some very rare exceptions. Uh, I, I think about one mom in India who my heart beats for because she was the trailblazer just two years ago and would say, isn't there someone else here? And now I know there is in India, but she was the first. And there are going to be places in the, in the world where you will be the first one, but it's the vast, vast exception, you guys. Most of you, there is somebody else you can link hands with and do this together. But if you have no services, you know that you can use IBT, you know that you can use skills to your advantage. And if you cannot afford either of those things, which are infinitely affordable, and I get it though, sometimes being able to pay $7 for a training is more than you have because you're trying to figure out how to keep food on the table and not be living in a cardboard box. I get it. I totally get it. But don't let that stop you. There are grants from ACT today. There is nothing that can stop us when we make up our mind. I, I always love that Life's Little Instruction books. And it said, when you're one of my favorite instruction, when you're going after Moby Dick, pack the tartar sauce. And whenever I've done something difficult, we got a, we got a jar of tartar sauce and we stuck it up on the shelf to look at it to remind me there's an option is uh, the failure is not an option here. We're going to do this no matter what you deserve it. Your kids deserve it. 
Um, you don't want to be looking back in 10 years and saying, oh my gosh, what if we had, I wished I'd known about this, uh, reach out to us. We'll help you to find the resources, but don't let anything stop you. And I will say this, and I, at the risk of ticking off some insurance companies, remember that it's great that we've got insurance coverage, right? But these people are not going to run to you and say, hey, did you know that you could put us in a position where we could pay $100,000 to treat your kid this year? They're not going to run to tell you that, nor are they going to run to find you the doctor that's going to diagnose you so that you get the prescription where they have to spend that kind of money, nor are they going to run to tell you what to do in the meantime, right? Because they have a vested interest in this. And if if enough of us don't get the treatment or don't do it right or say, well, I can't afford the 40, so I'm going to do the 20 hours a week, then somewhere down the line, two years maybe down the line, they're going to come up with a study and go, look, it didn't work. These people didn't want it. We offered it to them. They didn't use it. They didn't use it to its full effect. Look, they didn't, you know, these kids didn't make progress because we only gave them 10 hours a week. We are not going to let them get away with it, you guys. We are going to do everything we can I always say don't <laughs> I just was upstairs with a group of autism parents uh, who are going to change the way things are done in the state of California when an adult uh, individual goes missing with autism don't tick off an autism parent don't don't push us we will work hard um, and we all can so I encourage you work hard and make sure that you're getting the help you need. Don't just sit around and wait for them to get you an appointment. If you need to leave the state to get an appointment, to get your child diagnosed so that you can start therapy, make them do it. Michigan's close to a lot of states. Uh, if you need a place to get diagnosed, you can go to the card office in Chicago, get diagnosed, and start your services as soon as possible. All right, I'll get off that soapbox. Uh, but you know I love you, and I know I want to see you get the help that you need. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're hoping that we get Romario and Fiorello down here with enough time before the show ends. All right, stick with us. When Maddie was diagnosed, I'll be honest, I was very ignorant on what autism was. I knew that autism was basically something that hit boys at the age of two to three and shut down. And sometimes you think of the typical Rain Man uh, movie. Um, and with Maddie, she was doing all the same signs and symptoms of a, of a typical child with autism spectrum disorder. Stand up. didn't even acknowledge us coming into the room. Um, she had barely any eye contact. Um, she didn't interact with her sister. She didn't really do anything. She just basically lined up her toys and that was about it. We have a team of seven volunteers, or, or eight now, we have eight volunteers, including my husband and I, and I'm the team leader. And so I do all the curriculum and get everything ready each week. Jana was downstairs until 11 o'clock at night working on curriculum, going through two different textbooks. And then we, as a group, meet on Monday nights, and we would go through what the curriculum was from Jana. And a lot of times we would go, well, how exactly do you do that? How do you sit her at the table and, and do this trial base? Well, what skills has done for us, it's, it's taken that away from Jana trying to figure out the curriculum for one, 
she can go down or on our, even our laptop and she can sit down and through all these questions it comes up with the different programs. At least for me it was a relief off my shoulders. I was worried that I might be missing something, um, missing a curriculum that maybe she needs to know where skills they have every every possible thing your child needs to know from zero to seven they have a program for that. What mine is this. Every program that we did with her, I knew it was specific for what she needed to learn. With these four skills, it was a lot of, okay, well, is that really age appropriate for a two-year-old? You know, because it's not generalized. It's anywhere from zero to seven, this is what your child needs to know in most, in most manuals you'll find. Um, but for this, okay, yep, she should be learning this. And no, she's not four yet. She doesn't need to know that yet. We are so fortunate that Jana was able to attend a conference put on by CARD that opened the door for skills and that um, there's no looking back for us. We started using the program in November and it seemed like by January something just clicked and she has completely kind of came out of her fog that she was in for quite a while. I have never read a documented case on any child that has not benefited anything from applied behavior analysis and uh, now with this new skills and being you know like the e version of ABA I can't imagine it doing anything harmful to their child it, it's nothing but exponential growth for us to see her now it is it just blows us away I mean, we call her our little miracle child because um, in seven months time she has just blossomed into this normal functioning child and suddenly we joke about it all the time like suddenly we have twins if you're even thinking about doing it do it because the absolute worst thing you could do is do nothing at all and even if you use this program and it's just a single mom or a single dad working in the evenings with their child this program is going to benefit them it's it's going to show you where they are it's going to show you where they need to go and it's going to show you what skills and how to get there it is an online book on how to help recover your child. Welcome back to Autism Live. We are still waiting to make sure, we're hoping that we're gonna get an opportunity to interview Romario and Fiorella Snow on the live show. If we, if we get them right after the show is off, then we'll record it and show it tomorrow. Um, but I, I wanted to talk just a second about um, all the different things that we can do for safety. And, um, you know, it really depends on the ability and the age of the individual, what we're talking about, because we don't want to become so safety conscious to the point where we create an environment in which we make it more dangerous for the child. Uh, and that's one of the different reasons why, uh, you know, I know as everybody has looked at the case of the, the young boy who was being kept in the cage and the two twins who were being locked in a basement downstairs and the response being from the parents of, oh, we're trying to keep them safe. And at least one parent has said to me, you know, let's, let's try not to have so much judgment because these are people whose backs are against the wall. And I, I understand and appreciate that. And the question that was put to me was, how is it different locking him 
them in a cage than some of the different medical devices that enclose. There is one that we've shown here on the show that it looks like a tent, but it's not a tent. And it has an enclosure in which you can zip somebody in so that they can't wander. And so the question was, how is that different than putting them in a cage? And here is, here is my litmus test for this. Is this is this device specifically designed to um, soothe the person and help them to feel safe so that they won't elope? And does it have measures that while it's doing that prevent the person from eloping? And, you know, the devices that we've shown here on the show, uh, that is what they do. A cage that was meant for a dog or a wild animal doesn't do that. And if we look at the reason why individuals elope, that part of it is that they want to escape from or escape to something that is pleasurable and comforting to them. Now, obviously, their understanding of what's pleasurable and comfortable is different than what ours is. And that's where they get into danger and have issues. Um, so, you know, I think we have to be mindful. Now, do I think for a second that in either of those instances that those families knew about these services that make these kinds of beds? I'm going to guess no, that they didn't know. And as the article that we were talking about earlier said, they made the best choice that they knew how to do. But as we know that there are laws to protect individuals and there should be, you pay the consequence for those laws. Uh, do I feel a responsibility as a person who sits here to make sure that everybody within the sound of my voice knows there are other things like these beds? And by the way, I'll find the name of it. They've been here before on the show. And I think if you probably just search on our YouTube page looking for um, beds, safety beds, um, you'll find them. But they and they're not inexpensive. Let's be honest about that. But they also have a service in which they provide grants for them. So, you know, I would feel differently about these parents' stance on, you know, why they were locking their children up in the different, and I think that both cases are vastly different too, um, that we understand that the boy who was in the cage was well-fed and well-kempt and well-taken care of except for being locked into a cage. I know that sounds ridiculous, but he was in good health. These two teenage boys, the jury is still way out on the circumstances in which they were locked in. It was not clean. It was not habitable. Um, and, and, you know, the preliminary stories that we've come in, it was questionable as to whether the boys were in good health men, they were 22 years old. Um, so, you know, but if either of these cases, if in either of these cases, these parents were saying, look, we found, uh, a service that would help us to keep this individual from eloping, but we couldn't afford it. And we applied for the grant and we couldn't afford it. You know, that would be a different circumstance and probably the law would go much more lenient on them than it will. Um, let's not have people injured and let's not have people going to prison over pure ignorance. Let's try to be a part of a message, letting people know there are other choices that you can make. And if you're watching this show, I want you to know clearly there are other choices. There's other help that you can get. And, and we're not judging because if you don't know something, you don't know something. I, uh, I, I'm so thrilled that we've been able to reach out to several different people who are helping, uh, 
the snows to uh, be able to change the dynamic that they've got going on so that Romario can be safe. What a lovely young man he is. He is just a sweetheart. And clearly, uh, this 20 days was great distress to him. And uh, just had an opportunity and was speaking with him upstairs about that. And he started to talk about it and got very emotional. So it's clearly that there are things about this that were very uh, devastating to him. Let's try to prevent that together as a community. Let's work hard in our homes and in our communities to ensure that these kinds of things don't happen. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to see uh, where we are, whether we're getting the snows live or not. I don't mean to keep stringing you along. But it's really important. Uh, we will have an opportunity to have them here on the show, even for just a few minutes. And it's really important. Um, they're, they're right now doing a piece with NBC4, Lolita Lopez, that will be on their program, NBC4, here in Los Angeles tonight. And that's important. That will reach a lot of people who will never find this show. So we need the public at large to know about that. And we will get him here eventually. And you might have to wait till tomorrow to see it. All right. Stick with us. Back with more after these messages. My name is Rachel, my son is Kyle, he has autism. I am Kyle, I am nine years old. He's been with CARD since he was two years old, so that's about seven years. We've been really fortunate that we've seen so much change in Kyle that you would really not even realize he has autism. The front of the book has an artwork piece. Is that me? No, that's a self-portrait, that's why. I thought so. Look at you're wearing the same kind of color shirt. He had been going along with pretty main milestones. He had walked on time, he had sat on time, he was looking at me at different things and laughed, and he had about five words, and then all of a sudden he lost the words. And I would call his name, and he wouldn't look at me anymore. He all of a sudden went into his own world. I mean, I just, I just noticed, like, he slipped away from us. I got into UCLA because somebody called in sick one day and we were on her waiting list but she said oh I had a cancellation can you bring your son in today I took my son in with my mom and we had a two and a half hour appointment where they observed his behavior noticed they didn't have any words he was climbing all over things and jumping off her furniture because he had no sense of fear he couldn't actually feel very much the doctor told me ask for a card, you can call them. I called them and got on their rating list. And then I started researching what ABA was. ABA with card was the only scientific-based research that had shown that children could improve, or now they even say recover. And my son, I think, having all this therapy early, he's gonna graduate from card. He's going to be able to be part of the community as a typical kid. How does it make you feel when you play the violin? It makes me a little bit calmer. Kyle, early on, he only liked um, baby food. And even at age four, he was eating baby food. And he, wouldn't, he, he liked lots of flavors, but he didn't like anything with the texture. So he, he wanted everything pureed. So if you can imagine as a mom, I'm up, you know, 
cooking carrots and then pureeing them when he couldn't just have a carrot, it was really time consuming and I could get the protein and everything into him, but he wasn't eating like a typical child. It was one year later, he, instead of eating blended bananas, he was now, you know, peeling the banana and biting into the banana. Taking a hot dog on a gluten-free bun and biting into it, I mean, that is just amazing. So that was one of the main things I came home thinking, wow, this is great. It really was a relief for me because I was doing a lot of blending. I think I went through three blenders and that's just not every mom that wants to have a regular meal and be able to have in the same food with their son. So it really helped. Right now he's on the road to recovery, we call it. And I really do think that Kyle in a, in a year or two will not even need assistance with therapists. He really is in a typical class and he's at the highest level. He's in the advanced level. He's in a gate class. I don't even think anyone knows in this class he has autism because he's just there. This is a mobile. I got a very good grade on it. I got four because my teacher said that she learned a lot about Neil Armstrong. This is a drawing of Neil's first footprint on the moon. Is, is his footprint still there? Yeah, it is, and his boots. And his boots? He left his boots on the moon. He did. Everyone thinks he's very kind and he gives hugs to everyone, so the social interaction is there. He's very intelligent, he's highest in his class, and he makes friends, and he loves to read, and he's just a part of groups when he meets people. My first trip to SeaWorld, I wrote it, but I wanted to make sure that you noticed that the sun is moving higher. What does that signify? That signifies that time is going. This is artwork in a frame. That took me a lot of work to do. I have some instruments over here. Something inspired me to make instruments. This was from last year for a fundraiser. This is the surfing pictures. So here you're going on the surfboard, and did you stand up right away? Yeah, I did. You did. And show us how you hit your stance on the surfboard. Ready? Go. And what do you, what's your favorite part about surfing? The very first time I was the wipeout. And I hope that you enjoyed me, Mom, and all of my interests and learning a little bit about me. The end. So life is about priorities and knowing what's important, when it's important. I want you to know that it's really important to us and we are going to bring you Fiorella and Romario Snow. It's just not going to be today. They're still with the NBC4 team and that is the priority and I'm real clear on that and I hope that you guys are too. Um, but we will get them for our audience as well. It's just going to be that we're going to have to film it when we're off the air and then we will air it either tomorrow or Thursday, wherever time permits. Um, but, uh, everything in life is about priorities and deciding what you need to do when you need to do it. Right. But we will, we will have them eventually. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about the rest of this week. I know I mentioned it briefly before, but Dr. Dorian Grampshay is going to be here tomorrow and I've got some questions about teaching safety for her 
her as well. And I know that you will. There are some questions that have already come in and we're looking for more. So make sure that you're sending your questions in. She'll be answering those at 10 Pacific time, 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. And we will have her for a complete hour. So that you'll do the math, but that's Pacific time for whatever time zone that you're in. Dr. Doreen Grampache tomorrow. Then at 11 o'clock Pacific time tomorrow, it's time for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Nancy Allspot Jackson is going to be here with me. We're going to be talking about safety and we're lining up some very important guests who are going to hopefully be with us, talking with us in sort of a round table about things that we can do, some autism moms and uh, to ensure that we keep all of our kids safe all the time, how we help as a community and how we help our individual kids to make sure that they're as safe as they possibly can be in our care, whether that's at home, at school, or when we're out in public. It's a tough job and none of us is going to do it perfectly, but we've got to be as safe as we possibly can. And then on Thursday, we have Dr. Adele Nadowski with us and Dr. Jonathan Tarbox. They're going to be answering your questions about safety. And we're going to talk very specifically about some of the studies. Um, that show how effective uh, we can be in stopping wandering and giving a replacement behavior and functional communication. We're also going to be talking about the safety, all of the safety lessons that are available for you in skills, how you can use them to your best advantage and how you can put together that sort of safety protocol that we were talking earlier uh, when I was talking about Ryan Bergstrom in the lost in public video, um, that you have access to those lessons through skills, that you can be doing those things at home to help your child to be able to negotiate all kinds of circumstances and say as safe as possible. This really is the key. So again, I want to remind you we, what we're going to do is after we uh, stop being live, we are going to tape our interview with Fiorello and Romario, and that will also be available to you more than likely tomorrow. So I hate to make you wait, but it's going to be worth waiting for. I, I can tell just by having spoken to them for just a couple of minutes, they're remarkable. I I want to take just one last second as we're ending the show here to talk about the fact that none of us thinks it's us, right? That I know that a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about how many drownings there are each year from kids that elope, that all of us, myself included, we tend to think, yes, but that's not my child or I'm being careful or I have the alarm on the door. None of us wants to think that it's us. We just don't. But, and then we come back in the next day and another child has passed away. Do what you need to do today. Fill out those forms on the missingkids.com site so that you're prepared in the event of an emergency. I'm going to do it and I urge you to do it. We're really out of time, but we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, please give your kiddos a hug from me. Bye-bye for now.